Good morning. Uh, shoebox ministry is such a blessing. And um, it's oftentimes so hard for us to understand what an impact a uh, simple little shoebox with a few gifts, a few little items uh, in it can make to children who absolutely have nothing. And uh, uh, the great thing is that inside every box is a gospel track. And uh, it, you just can't, uh, you can't go wrong when you're sharing the gospel with people who desperately need it. So I encourage you to uh, uh, to get involved in the shoebox ministry. It's, uh, it's uh, just a wonderful, wonderful thing. By the way, I am Alan Haygoods. Anybody here not know me? Or uh, for the most of my life, I've been introduced as Mackie's husband. Okay, so, oh, yeah, y'all can give her a hand. I, she deserves it. She's put up with me 54 years. And so with that, I'm going to preach a message called Learning to Care Enough. Open your Bibles with me to the 10th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. I believe that clock's got a different time on it. Huh? All right. I used to have a deacon that done that. And you know what I done? I ignored him. You know. You know what it means when a preacher says, in conclusion, absolutely nothing. Okay. Learning to care enough. Down in verse 25, we have the story. Uh, actually, I made reference to this story last Sunday night for those of you uh, who were here. Um, but anyway, we're going to look closely at it uh, this morning. And behold, there was a certain lawyer stood up and tempted Jesus, saying, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, What's written in the law? How readest thou? And he said, the lawyer said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind and love and uh, and love thy neighbor as thyself. And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? 
And Jesus answering said, Certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he had come to the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, he came where he was, and he saw him, and he had compassion on him, and went to him, and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and setting him on his beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I'll repay him. Now Jesus asked this lawyer, Which now of these three thinkest thou was a neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And the lawyer said, He that showed mercy on him. And Jesus said unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Father, thank you so much for examples like this that we find in Scripture. Knowing, Lord, that you intend them to be teaching moments for us. And regardless of how many times we read these, there's always something fresh and new that we can glean from them. And so, Lord, help us this morning to be good listeners, to be very sensitive to the working of the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, help us. Help us to learn from this Samaritan. And we'll give you all the praise because you're the only one worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, when you read, when you read this story right here, it's just like sitting down watching the uh, local news on TV or picking up a newspaper and reading it. When I mean, you, 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 look, at, you look at all of the uh, the ingredients in this story, and man, it's just so it's just so up to date. It is so modern. I mean, there uh, it it uh, it kindly uh, brings home the point that there is nothing new under the sun. You know the old story: if it's if it's uh, new, it's not true, and if it's true, it's not new. And that is so true because you look in this story and you find things that we're, that we're familiar with. There, there was violence. There was crime. 
There was racial discrimination. There was hatred. There was neglect. There was unconcern. And thank God, there's also love and, and mercy. And so here's the thing. To the person that thinks the Bible uh, is not relevant in our, in our modern day, friend, all I can say, they never read uh, the 10th chapter of Luke because you find real quick that it is. It is. So we know this parable. We know what it means. But what's Jesus trying to say to us? I think that's the important thing. I mean, why in the world did Jesus even tell this story? Well, it's because this lawyer asked Jesus a question. And he was actually trying to trip Jesus up because he had already lost an argument about salvation. Uh, Jesus told him uh, what to do. And uh, he, he didn't like that answer, so he tried to turn the tide. And so he asked Jesus this question. He said, hey, Jesus, then please tell me who is my neighbor? But you know what Jesus did? He used this question as an opportunity to teach a very important truth and here it is friend you cannot separate your relationship with God and your relationship with your fellow man impossible can't do it God never intended for it to be that way and so here's what I want you to do I want us to look at these, these characters in this story, see if there's something that we can learn, okay? Number one, let's look at these characters. And the first character that stands out to me are these thieves. These thieves were lying in wait on the road that goes from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And they were waiting for somebody to come by. And so to them, this person that they uh, jumped, this victim was just simply somebody that they could exploit. I mean, when the thieves saw this man traveling down the road, they didn't see another human being they saw somebody that they could take advantage of. I mean, it didn't matter how they harmed him as long as they got what they wanted. You see, their philosophy was, what is yours is mine, and I'm going to take it from you. Oh, wow. Now, why is that so important to you and me? Because if we're not careful we'll start seeing people in the same way. We'll start seeing people as victims that we can exploit and use to get from them 
what we want. Now listen to me. Here's a takeaway. God gave us things to use and people to love. But I'll tell you something. It's real easy in our culture. We see it all the time where we start using people and loving things. And, hey, listen, when that happens, you're exploiting others. That is simply exploitation. If we take from others without giving, that is exploiting people. Now, hey, here's our example. Jesus never never exploited any individual. Jesus always left people better than he found them. That's the example that we're to follow. And so, you see, the Lord always, always considered the worker more important than the work. And we ought to be real careful and never look at another person thinking, what can I get from him? <laughs> Did you ever have anybody who's supposed to be a friend that ever treated you that way? They were your friends as long as you had something they needed. Hey, Jesus never intended for it to be that way. And so uh, we should be real careful. Never look at anybody and say, hey, uh, what, what can I get from that person? That's the attitude these, these thieves had. And so we're not supposed to be that way. Let's look at another character or two characters because uh, they're, they're actually two in one. And that's the old priest and the Levite. Now, to these guys, this old boy leg over here in the ditch, robbed, beaten, and left to die, to these two fellows who were very high in the religious world in that day, to them, he was just a nuisance to be avoided. Ha, ain't got time for him. How that, you know, doing something like that, helping somebody like that, that's beneath my standing. Wow. Wow. Now let me tell you something about, um, about, about the road that went from Jerusalem down to Jericho. You see, Jericho was what was known in that day as a priestly city. And so there were always priests and Levites, the religious leaders of that day, traveling on this road from Jerusalem to Jericho and back to Jerusalem. Now you think, now listen, listen to me. You, you, my thinking is like this. 
If, if all of these religious leaders were on this road every day traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho and back to Jerusalem, always going, then, then my thinking is this. Why in the world was this road so dangerous? I mean, if you had religious leaders traveling up and down every, every day, why didn't they do something to clean up the road? No. But they didn't. They didn't. And besides, why wouldn't they stop and help somebody who was desperate and needed assistance? I mean, if anybody in the world should have stopped, it was these guys. But what does the scripture say? It says, when the priest came, he, he, he saw that guy lying in the ditch, and he saw him, and he got all the way over on the other side of the road and went on. Right. And when the old Levite come, he, he also looked over there, and oh, he gets over on the other side of the road and just keeps on going. Right. Now, uh, if you were to ask them, why didn't you stop and help this guy? They may have given you, uh, they could have given you 10,000 reasons, I guess. Uh, they, they might have said stuff like, well, <laughs> hey, I've, I've been serving at the temple. I've done my part. Does that sound something like we might would say today? I mean, uh, I, I, uh, I, I've already done my Christian duty. Boy, strange that to a child of God, that one form of spiritual work should compete with another form of spiritual work. You know, a lot of people think that just because they've got one position in church that it relieves them of all the other uh, responsibilities of, of being a child of God or being a, a church member. I've talked to people that way. You ask them, you know, you ask them to do something. Well, now, you know, I've, I already serve. I mean, man, I sing in the choir. Hey, I teach a Sunday school class. Why would you even think of asking me to do something else? Man. I wonder what Jesus would think about that. Hmm. Well... Another thing that he could have said is, uh, either one of these guys, they could have said something like this. Hey, man, I've been away from home. Uh, I've, been, I've, been, I've been away from home, and, and I've got stuff to do when I get back. Hmm. And, and you know, the, the, uh, actually the structure 
of the priestly services was, were broken down into like 24 different courses. And it was done so, so that a, a, a priest or a Levite would not have to be away from home for an extended period of time. And so you see, that excuse uh, just, just really, it wouldn't wash. Uh, now, it might have been a sacrifice for the priest or, and the Levite to, uh, uh, to, to serve in the temple. But listen, friend, no sacrifice is a substitute for compassion. I mean, I mean, here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. And so don't think that anything you're doing is a sacrifice for the Lord. I mean, when you measure up what you do to what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary, nothing you do will measure up to that. Now, let's get down to the nitty-gritty because here's where so many of us live. They could have said when they walked by and saw that old boy laying over there in the ditch and he's all bloody and bruised up and he's dirty, they could have looked at him and said, hey, it's not my fault. Not my fault. Wow. But maybe it was. Because, by the way, we're talking about the, the religious elite in their day. And if that's the case, I beg the question again. Why didn't these guys get together and do something to clean up that road? They had the power. They had the means. They could have done it. But they didn't. I mean, the old religious leaders begged the same question, I suppose, that old Cain did after he had killed his brother and God asked him about it. You remember Cain's reply? Well, am I my brother's keeper? You know, it's the same thing that we say, well, it's not my day to keep up with him. Uh-huh. It's kind of what we say. Well, am I my brother's keeper? Can I answer that question for you? Yes, it is. You are your brother's keeper. If you're a child of God, it's your responsibility. You listen. If being a Christian does not make you a better person, there is something wrong with your Christianity. And then, hey, I like that, amen. You keep it up. You keep that up. And then we get down to where the rubber meets the road. 
the old priest and Levite, they could have said, I let somebody else do it. Oh, oh, preacher, you done gone to meddling now. Let somebody else do it. You see, the old priest, he could have walked by and said, well, I would stop, but I know that old Levite's right. He's right behind me. I'm, I, I let him do it. And the old, old, old Levite could have walked by and said, well, ah, somebody else will be by in a minute. Let them do it. You know, let me, let me tell you something. I pastored, uh, I was senior pastor uh, for 40, I forget now, 40-something years before I entered into this phase of my ministry. And in all the churches that I ever pastored, there was one individual in every church that I pastored. He always did more than anybody else. I mean, it just always seems like that, that there was that one person in every church that would just always rise to the top. He did more, had more job titles, <coughs> did more, served more than anybody. You know what his name was? Somebody else. Huh? Do you know that person? Yeah, you know it because you you said, well, I, I do this and I do that. Let somebody else do it. And you know what happens when we have that attitude? We have this old boy laying over here in the ditch. A bunch of thieves have beaten him up, left him bloody, just straining to hold on to his life. And what he really needs is somebody to just take the time to stop and give some time and some love. And what's our excuse? Oh, man, I, I'm too busy. Oh, man, I, you know, I, I'm too busy. Let somebody else do it. You know, if we always find somebody to point to, as an excuse of our own neglect it's sin you want to prove it to you I'm telling you that if, if you know to do if you know that there's something you should be doing or needs to be done and you don't do it it's a sin you say prove it to me I say okay here's what here's what 
Here's what it says right here in James chapter 4 and verse 17. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, it is a sin. Pure and simple. You know, if we go through life always wanting our own way and always thinking of ourselves, the people who need us and need our help will always be a nuisance. But if we go through life seeking to share the love of Jesus Christ, every nuisance will become an opportunity for ministry. And that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Now, hey, let's look again. What about the old lawyer? What about the old lawyer? Well, you see, to this old lawyer who was trying to trip Jesus up in an argument to him, this old boy laying in the ditch, beaten, robbed, and left to die. Well, he was nothing, he was nothing but a problem to be discussed. Now, don't forget, I've pastored a long time. I've, 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 I've led congregations for a long time. I've moderated, and ain't no telling how many business meetings. So when I tell you I know Baptist folk, I ain't joking around, folk. I know them, okay? Hang on to your hat, because it's going to get sticky. You see, this old lawyer, let me tell you, let me tell you about him. This old lawyer, he was uh, supposed to be an expert on the Old Testament. Uh, actually, uh, he, uh, he was trained uh, to e examine the Word of God and to give a, uh, a, a, an explanation uh, for daily life. In other words, people would come to him with a question and, and say, well, you know, this is what the law says, and can you explain that to me? And his job was to, to explain to them what that meant and make an, uh, uh, an application for their daily lives. And so uh, in verse 25, when he asked Jesus the question about uh, eternal life, he was trying to trip Jesus up. But he failed because Jesus nailed him. And so then he came up with this, uh, this question, who is my neighbor? Or in uh, modern terms, he asked Jesus, he said, Jesus, would you define that term neighbor to me? 
Now, you know one of the best ways to get nothing done? Is just discuss it. Discuss it. Yeah. Man, you, hey, listen. We, 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 we think we have solved a problem or that we have met a need uh, because we've had a committee meeting or we voted to do something. Man, you can get, you can get, you can get Baptist folk to vote to do anything. They'll raise their hand on anything if you don't expect anything out of them. Because when they raise their hand, uh, most of them are saying, well, yeah, I'll go along with that as long as somebody else does it. And so, you know what? Discussing has become a substitute of doing. If you don't believe it, just look at our culture. Man, we have, we have conferences on crimes all across this country. Crime just keeps going up. I mean, just, I mean you know, we live, we, we live just out of Little Rock, about 20, 25 miles. And Little Rock is set to set an all-time high murder rate this year. And bless your heart, they got more programs up there to, uh, to make Little Rock safe and, uh, and, and, and to bring crime in, uh, under control. And, and I mean, you, they're always di discussing it. And nothing gets done. Listen, we, 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 have, we have discussions on the, on the education and seminars all over the country. And I'm not slamming teachers. I love them. But out of all of these conferences we have, we're still educating our, our, our graduating kids that can't read and write. So this old lawyer, see what he wanted to do. He wanted to, uh, he wanted to talk about the abstract theme of neighborlessness. Boy, don't that sound profound? But you know what Jesus did? Jesus just reached up and got him and drug him right down right down to where an old boy was that had been beaten, robbed, and left to die. You see, this old lawyer, he's like most of us. It's easy to discuss the general topic. But boy, it's real hard to get involved. in specific needs. If you don't believe it, look at soup kitchens and uh, food banks. Easiest thing in the world it is to do is to get people to go to the store and buy a few cans of stuff and take it, give it. 
You ask somebody, hey, would you come down and help volunteer? Oh, well, no, let somebody else do that. You know, at our church, we have a deal once a month uh, where we feed families. And it's real easy to get folks in our congregation. They'll collect food. Man, they'll collect food. They'll bring it on Sundays and Wednesdays, and they'll put it in that pantry. But you try to get them to come out on Monday night once a month to hand out the food. <laughs> oh, I'll bring the food. I'll bring some food, but I'll let somebody else do that. That's kind of the way we are. That's kind of the way we are. And so this old lawyer, listen, he was comfortable talking about the theories of neighborlessness, but he got real nervous when it come to personal application. And see, that's, that's our biggest need is for personal application. And so here, listen. The question is not who is my neighbor. Uh -uh. That's not the question. Here's the question. To whom can I be a neighbor? To whom can I be a neighbor? You know, it's real easy to become like this old lawyer and love substitute law for love. You know, we... we <laughs> Here's another strange thing about Baptists. We obey rules, and we think we've served the Lord. We, 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 we can, we can uh, uh, explain a doctrine, and we think, man, we're a spiritual giant. You know what we've become? We have become comfortable spectators instead of concerned participants. Now listen, friend, people in need, they're not problems to be discussed. People in need are people who need our love and they need our ministry. Talking about needs may be necessary, but talking must never be a substitute for doing. And so don't tell me you're concerned unless you're willing to show me you're concerned. I mean, don't tell me you're concerned about people dying and going to hell unless, uh, unless, uh, unless you prove it by telling people about Jesus. Don't tell me you're concerned about your church. Show me you're concerned. Show me 
That's what Jesus is saying. By the way, I'm going to finish this up tonight. Stand with me.